0: So, please join me on this journey of learning, self growth, and connection with your source. Hi, and welcome to the It Is Top Podcast. This is episode 411 for the 14th of T-Base in a regular year. Today's episode has been generously sponsored by Julie Schechter in the merit of a Rafua Shlema for Henya Basbracha Dvoralea Federman. Thank you so much, Julie, for sponsoring the podcast. And for other sponsorship opportunities, please visit itistaught.com. Thank you so much. These sponsorships really encourage me to continue with this. And um, there are quite a bit of expenses that go into this podcast. So it is very, definitely very helpful getting these sponsorships in. So thank you so much again. Moving on to today's Tanya. So I want to talk a little bit about something which I had mentioned earlier already in the podcast this idea which is very prevalent in modern culture of being authentic being true to yourself being real and everything like that and what that means exactly we spoke about the song uh in the popular movie the greatest showman called this is me where people are just celebrating their eccentricities celebrating who they are like unabashedly you know this is who i am We live in a culture where shame is like the worst sin in the world that, you know, God forbid somebody should feel a sense of shame for being overweight, feeling a sense of shame for having certain desires, certain impulses. And not only should they not feel a sense of shame, but like, you know, if this is how you're feeling on the inside, then if you were to behave differently on the outside, that would actually be hypocritical of you. And, you know, then... We'd be walking around and we'd be surrounded by a bunch of hypocrites. Like, you know, uh, how do we know what to really believe? This person is acting like they're a nice person, but perhaps on the inside, they actually really hate me. Perhaps they're not as nice as they appear on the outside at all. Shouldn't they be authentic? Shouldn't they just show the world who they really are? If they have these negative emotions you know let the world see let the world see who you truly are don't don't pretend you know don't um go through life feeling this sense of imposter syndrome so that's sort of like the modern prevailing philosophy is this idea that like you know the we really the true self is our feelings the true self is our inner world And we want to make sure that the outer self reflects this inner self as much as possible. Otherwise, we're really not being authentic. Otherwise, we're not being real. So today we're going to see what the Tanya has to say about this and uh, how the Tanya actually takes a very different approach to this whole notion of the authentic self and the true self and what that means. And as we've already explained, as we've already explored, when we talk about the authentic self, quote unquote, the true self, the internal self, it's actually not so simple because at least when it comes to a Jewish person, a Jewish person actually has two internal selves, two souls that are constantly at war, constantly battling with one another. We have the godly soul and we have the animal soul and their motivations, their impulses, their instincts are actually totally contradictory and totally at odds with one another. So when we say act like your true self, first of all, what does this mean? Which true self are we talking about? Are we talking about our animal self or are we talking about our godly self? Now perhaps one could argue that, well, it depends whichever self is in control. Because if we're talking about the fact that this the selves, these souls are at constant war with one another, then perhaps it's a matter of okay, if these souls are at war with one another, whichever soul is winning at the time, whichever, whichever soul is in full reign, that is your true self in the moment and that's the true self you should show to the world. So if, for example, you come home after a long day of work and you, there's a big box of donuts sitting on your table for whatever reason, somehow they got there. Whenever I give this example, people are like, oh, I wish I came home and there was a big box of donuts sitting on my table. That would be nice, like who brought them there? But let's just say for sake of argument, you know, you have a big box of donuts um, that you bought for a party or something like that, and they're sitting on your table um, and you're starving. Uh, and your initial instinct is to eat those donuts. That's, that's yourself. That's, that, that's what your inside is telling you. Your animal soul is raging at that moment. It's like, I really want to eat those donuts versus your godly soul very quietly in the background is like, maybe that's not such a good idea. Maybe instead, you know, I should make a healthy dinner for myself. That's going to give me a little bit more energy so I can concentrate and have uh, better focus when I pray to God, you know, when I think about God, when I learn, when I go about my day so if we were to go in line with this whole like authentic living kind of thing then uh you know um, didn't, wouldn't the real sense of authentic living be to eat the zonas that's what your soul quote unquote in the moment is telling you to do right another example would be it, let's say you're at a party and you see someone at the party who is a little bit of a nebuch case, you know, and um, doesn't really have a lot of friends. Nobody is really talking to them. And the truth is, you don't really want to talk to them either because they're not a very interesting person to talk to. Uh, and but they, you know, they clearly are needing someone to talk to. They, they are needed of a friend. They actually come up to you. They start talking to you. What do you do? Well, your instinct is to move away from them or to tell them that they're annoying or something like that, right? There's actually a whole movement surrounding this called Radical Honesty, which was started by some guy named Brad... Blanton, who would say that this is exactly what you should do, that you should actually say to them, listen, I really don't want to talk to you. I find you quite annoying. <laughs> thats He would actually say that you should do that, that there's—that this is what you should do. So indeed, you can think to yourself, why not? If, if life is really all about being true to yourself and true and authentic, and that at that moment, your animal soul is ruling over you, and that's what's screaming out, then shouldn't your actions display that? Shouldn't your actions represent who you truly are? instead of being a faker instead of like being all nice on the outside when really on the inside you just want to get out of there and you don't want to be in that conversation shouldn't you just go ahead and eat that box of donuts instead of making a nice healthy meal for yourself uh, but then the whole time thinking to yourself like ah you know I really wish I was eating donuts right now Uh, so what's the deal so what we're going to discuss today and we've already brought up this idea is the soul actually is quite a complex thing there's we already know that there, we have these two souls that are at war with one another there's the there's the animal soul and then there's the godly soul that are constantly battling for um, for space and, and for rulership over the body but what we also know is that each one of these souls actually has different garments that's associated with it the garments are called the same thing they're called the garments of thought speech and action but the garments of the godly soul appear very different and are composed of very different things than the garments of the animal soul. Now, the other thing that we want to keep in mind is something that we had learned previously in the Tanya, if you recall this, that as much as the animal soul and the godly soul are are at war in terms of their core motivations and their impulses, ultimately the animal soul wants you to overcome it the animal soul wants you to resist its urges it's there to test you it's there to challenge you but it actually doesn't deep down want you to indulge want you to give in so when we keep both of these things in mind what we can come to realize is that not only should we not give into our animal soul even if the animal soul is raging even if the animal soul is on the inside really gaining like co- co- very high level of control over our feelings and our instincts, we can still resist it by putting on the clothing of the godly soul. So yes, maybe we are being a fake on a certain level, quote unquote, but we're actually not because it's it's okay to wear garments of the godly soul, even if your internal soul, your internal soul attributes haven't quite caught up yet. And this state of being, of wearing garments of the godly soul, even if your insides are not fully aligned, is what it means to be a Benoni, to be an intermediate person, which is what this book is really all about. This is what the book is catered to. The, the Sefer Tanya is written, it's, it's called the Sefer Shel Benoni, the, the book of the Benoni. It's all about how to achieve this level of wearing garments of the godly soul, even if your insides are not totally aligned. So when we recognize this, there's actually something very comforting about this, very light about this. There's like a load that's lifted off. Is that what the altar is basically telling us is that. We don't have to change our insides. We don't have to get to the point of becoming repulsed by donuts or not even being tempted by donuts or loving every single person at the party and naturally wanting to talk to everybody and all that kind of stuff. That's that's okay if our insides don't feel that way. But our behavior, we should still strive to have our behavior be in line. And in fact, something that we'll learn today is that when a person is living in this kind of state of existence where their behavior is is correct, they're wearing the garments of the godly soul, even if their insides aren't totally aligned, there are certain auspicious times when their godly soul actually can rule in a in a more internal way, where they can get a sense of love of God in a very strong way, uh, which is something that usually a tzaddik can only have access to. But there are times that a benedi can have this as well, namely during prayer or during saying the Shema, the Kriya Shema, which are times auspicious times to arouse the sense of love of God. Um, but the, the difference between a Banani and a Tzadik is that for a benini, this these emotions, these sensations don't last. After the person has stopped praying, they're back to the war, they're back to the battle versus in the case of a Tzadik, uh, these emotions do last. They don't need to be praying in order to feel this way. So with all of this being said, um, let's see how the ultra bit explains all of this. And for context, we are beginning a new chapter today. It's chapter 12 of Luka Tamar. And if you've been following along the past few episodes, and please go back and review if you haven't already. We've already spoken about these two other categories, um, which are further subdivided into two categories subcategories each, namely the category of the Tzadik and the category of the Rasha, the category of the righteous person and the category of the wicked person and what those entail. So I'm not going to review all of that now. You can go back and listen to previous episodes to get the context for that. But today we're focusing on this other category, this category of the Benoni, the category of the intermediate man. And this category of the intermediate person is somebody who the negativity within them never dominates over the small city what's the small city the small city is a reference to the body as we as we spoke about remember that there's this battle of the two kings that's trying to rule over the city so that's the two souls that are trying to rule over the body so uh so for a the the negativity never dominates over the body to the point that it brings the body to sin so what this means in a more technical level is it never gets to the point that the the garments the levushim of the animal soul which are thought speech and action that come from the side of klipa never gain full rulership over the person to bring the person into into a, a state of sin and instead what does rule over the person is the garments of the godly soul uh, and they're the only ones that are actually like activating the body, that are making the body, like whenever the, the the person is uh in plain English, whenever the person is thinking or speaking or acting, they're thinking or speaking or acting in a godly manner. And they never sin, ever. Like they, their whole life, they never sin. Uh So we can never call them a rasha, even for a moment. Because if you recall, a rasha is somebody who even sins temporarily. Even if a person make does one sin and then they, you know, and then they're, um, and then they do tshuva, and then they're back, and they're and they're good. That moment that they were doing a sin, they're considered to be a rasha. So a benedict cannot be somebody who ever sins. So keeping this in mind, you know, if we're saying that, like, you know, the the person's, all their thoughts, all their speech, and all of their action is only and solely directed towards serving God, why is this person not a tzaddik? It seems like a pretty high level, right? So this is because uh, when we're talking about the dominance that the godly soul has over the animal soul in Abani, we're talking about their garments, their soul garments, their thought, speech, and action—the the, the external behaviors that they display. But when it comes to their insides, when it comes to the ten aspects of the godly soul, um, they don't have soul rulership over over the the small city, at least not at all times. Um, so sometimes they do like uh, during Kriya Shema as we mentioned so what, when the person is saying Shema or when a person is praying these are considered to be times of what, what's called mohin de supernal intellect so this is a time when there's like a great illumination in the higher worlds which manifests as being a very auspicious time down here for us to pray and to connect to God and at that time because it's the mohin de Gadlus it's this uh, supernal intellect, intellect state then this is a time when when a person has the ability to connect their chokma bina and Das, their three intellectual faculties of the soul, these are the first primary faculties of the soul to connect them to God and to really deepen their Das, deepen their, um, their attachment to the greatness of God, to arouse a great feeling of love of God within them, a great love that's considered like a, a burning love in the right ventricle of their heart to connect with God, to cleave to God with Torah and mitzvahs out of love. Which is, why is this connect? Why does this happen during Kriya Shema and during prayer? Because this is what Kriya Shema, if you read the Kriya Shema, the words of the Shema, which come from the Torah, as well as the blessings of the Shema that come before it and that come afterward, which come, which are rabbinical in origin and which serve the purpose of uh, of preparing a person to actually read the Shema. Um, these all have to do with arousing a sense of love of God. Um uh, So during these auspicious times when a person is connected to God while they're saying Shema and they're arousing this and and they're praying and they're arousing this love in the right ventricle of the heart, then the negativity that's found in the left ventricle of the heart becomes subdued and becomes nullified to the good and the good kind of overpowers it and it spreads out from the right ventricle of the heart from the chokhmah Bin Adas, from the, the the three intellectual faculties, um, and uh, connect with God. So during that time, basically the Bainani is has this can have this experience that's similar to a Tzadik, who lives in the state at all times, at all moments, where as we described, their uh, their love of God, which is found in the right ventricle of the heart, p- pours over and subdues. The negativity in the left ventricle of the heart, but the only difference is here now when it comes to the binyan. After prayer, then the mochin de gadlus, the supernal intellect, leaves, and it's not in this state of illumination anymore. Then the negativity comes back, and it becomes once again aroused in the left ventricle of the heart, and the person once again feels these desires to um, to be in the physical world and 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 lusts after the desires of the physical world. So that's the end of the section for today. And so just to bring it all together, once again, uh, the basic difference between a Benoni and between a Tzadik and a Rasha is that for a Benoni, there's like this interesting like contradiction, seeming, seeming contradiction going on. On the one hand, they're behaving properly, comes to the garments of the soul, the thought, speech and action of the soul. The godly soul has gained full rulership. They are only wearing um, godly garments of thought, speech, and action. Their thoughts are only about God, their speech is only about God, and their actions only have to do with God. However, when it comes to their insights, when it comes to their inner attributes, which have to do with their impulses and their emotions and their feelings, there is still a war and the godly soul has not gained full ownership of over them, which means that they're still battling, they still have the same cravings that you and I do. They still, you know, desire things that are not a hundred percent for God, um, and, and kind of have these d- desires that are in line with their baser or instincts. Um, They're just able to conquer these things when it comes to their thought, speech, and action. Uh, There are are times, however, as we learned today, that even the bainani can tap into this state where their insides do align with their outsides, where they do feel this intense love for God. And this is namely during Kriyashma and uh, prayer. Why? Because during Kriya and prayer, then this is there's an arousal that happens. There's an illumination that happens supernally, an illumination of the supernal Mochin. What this means, really, it's hard to, to- totally grasp um, and picture. But but just to know that there is um, some type of illumination that happens, and the way that translates to us is it creates this auspicious time for us to connect to God through our intellects. And the intellects are the primary um, and and foremost attributes of the soul. So during those times, the biennone actually does have this potential to connect to God in a more internal way. Uh, The only difference is that after the prayer is finished, then that sensation goes away and they're back to battling with their baser instincts and not living with a consciousness and a a conscious kind of love of god um that's like this feeling of passion passionate love of god they act correctly but they their heart and their um insides don't necessarily align with their actions so that's it for today and we will continue tomorrow when we continue to explore this chapter 12 and i will speak to you then